welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we hope you join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30. We are located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After the message, take a moment and visit our website at vcctulare.com. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you. And last time we, well, actually the last couple of weeks, we kind of focused on that word glory, which is one of the key words that he has in there. And and you go back to the Greek, we start to find out all the different meanings to this word. And Jesus says to glorify me to them. And since we talked about that the last couple of weeks, I'm not going to go back over that again, uh, though I'd like to. Um, but, but I want you to, to listen and, and pick up on a couple of other key words. Verse 2, it says, For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. Did you pick up on another word? Eternal life. Now listen for another one. Now this is eternal life, that they, may know, uh, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have, bought, uh, I have brought your glory on earth by comp- uh, completing the work you gave me. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they may know, or now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certain, uh, certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Well, what did you hear? How about the word give or given? And that is really what we're going to focus on for a few minutes here. Jesus' prayer points us to the Father that, that has given him to, uh, to us. And all that he's given to, to Jesus, Jesus has turned around and given directly to us. And he makes it very clear in his prayers that he's not just praying for these guys. This prayer is actually for you and I. This is not just something we go, oh, historically, let, let's study this. No, Jesus makes it very clear. This is written down and preserved for you and I, those that, that will know about him later. The millennials, you know, I mean, all, these, you know, all the, the different ages that have gone through. This is for us. Now, Jesus repeats this word many times, and, and I didn't count them, so if you get bored, just ignore me for a while and start counting the words. You know, when we were little kids, we always circled in the O's and the E's and all those little, you know, while the preacher was preaching. I mean, that's what we did as kids. We, we have to understand that God is not like us. God does not just get up and repeat himself for no reason. Now, I know a lot of guys, probably me included, get up and we just say the same things over and over and over. You're just like, okay... I got it. Move on. But God's not like that. If he starts repeating something over and over and over, he has a reason for that. He has a point that he wants to do this. Some of us just talk over, you know, talk and talk and talk, and we just repeat ourselves. You know, and, and, you know, that's one type of person. Now, another type of person, well, I mean, this type of person is called a verbal processor, where you just start talking, 
and, and, and you're trying to figure something out, and you're just talking and talking and talking, and by the end, you figured it out. You're sitting there going, oh, that makes sense. Well, during the process, people are thinking you already know what your, 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 your result's going to be because you're saying it out loud, but that's a verbal processor. A verbal processor needs the words to come out of their mouth in order to process the thing they're thinking of. Now, others of us, or you, because I'm a verbal processor, are not that way. And I don't know what to call you people. I don't. Because I don't quite understand that. You, you're just kind of like, just leave me alone. And people are verbal processors are like, no, 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 let's talk about this. And you're like, no, leave me alone. And, you know, and that's where the conflict comes in. It's like people process things differently, so we've got to figure that out and not just be all over each other all the time, in a sense. But the last thing you need is somebody, you know, that's a verbal processor to be in your face. So let's admit who you are. Raise your hand if you're a verbal processor. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Tell yourself to raise your hand. No one, right? No verbal processors here? Okay, now if you have your hand up, look around and say, okay, those are the people you don't go to. <laughs> Find somebody else that has their hand up and go talk to them because you can just keep talking and talking and talking back and forth. Now, if you're married to the opposite type of person, look at them right now and just say, what is wrong with you? Because oftentimes that's how we feel, right? But see, God is not a verbal processor. Our God is a God of few words. So when he repeats himself, he is saying something very, 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 I mean very important. Very important. So, so the Lord has gone through this and said the word give, given, gave, given, 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 gave, and given. So we need to kind of take note. Verse 2, he says, For you granted him, in other words, gave him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Verse 4, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Verse 6, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours, you gave them to me. Verse 8, for I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. Verse 9, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. And just in case somebody's getting their theology mixed up and says the Son is inferior to the Father, he says in verse 10, all I have is yours, and all you have is mine. We are one and the same. And glory has come to me through them. Verse 22, I've given the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. And this is what blows me out, uh, blows me away. I've not figured that out yet. I've given you the glory that we are one, that they may also be one, he basically says. I have given the glory that you gave me. That's amazing. I think about that. And I go, my mind automatically goes back to the book of Moses. Receiving the word of the Lord up on the mountain. And what, what happens? He comes back off the mountain. His face is all glowing. People are like, Moses, what happened to you? So he finally puts a veil over his face because it was just kind of freaking everybody out. I mean, it freaked me out. And after a while, what happens? Well, that 
that glory, that presence of God, it slowly starts fading away. And he kept the veil, Paul tells us. And in Corinthians, Paul writes that the glory we receive and experience is more than that that Moses received. That blows me away. God wants to give us his glory and for us to run out and give it to everyone else. For us to become that connection, the the distributor, if you will, of what? Not drugs. Not just wonderful old feelings. Oh, this is so great. No. His glory. His glory in the home. His glory in the office. His glory anywhere we go. And you're passing out the glory of God. Now that's an awesome concept. That's something I still don't get my mind wrapped around because sometimes I look at my life and I go, well, that wasn't very, no, that wasn't glory. That's okay. Because just like Jim said, the the song that we sang and the worship right out of my head. Basically, he looks at us and says, I know all that about you and I still love you. It's amazing. So I got a question for you. Who needs God's glory the most? The very nice people that we get along with and we love are the ones who bug you the most. And it's a struggle. So he says to the Father, you gave me authority. You gave me the glory. You gave me these people. You gave me the work to do. You gave me the words to say to them. And Jesus is now saying, here's what I've done, you know, I've done, Father. I've given them, in other words, you and I, the manifestation of who you are, the very presence of who you are. I've shown them who you are. Before I came, they didn't even have a concept, much less a clue. Yet I came and I gave them that concept and I I revealed more to them so they had somewhat of a clue. And the more we get into the Word, the more we learn about Him, and the more we put it into action in our lives, the more glory we start to understand. Before they came, Jesus says, they were afraid of you. We often forget that Moses was in God's very presence. And to be a sinful man in God's presence, what happens? It can't happen. You die. So they cleansed Moses so he could be in God's presence. So we look at Moses and we think, oh man, I mean, that that was Moses. You know, like when the president comes to town, he's a man. But we go like, oh, the president, you know. Whatever, Billy Graham, I've met Billy Graham and people are just, Billy Graham, great man, very great man. Guess what? He's a man, just like you or I. God used him for a specific purpose. God can use you for a specific purpose. Maybe it is in the next billogram. Maybe it's just to affect your family and, and, and raise them in a way that, that would glorify God. Maybe it's to teach the children. Maybe it's to be you know, down at the plant where you're working to, to be God's presence down there. Whatever job you have, rely on God because he can use you. See, we can't believe that Moses could be a normal guy in God's presence. We just can't believe that. So what do they do? They elevate him. Moses. No, he was, he was just a man. Jesus says, I've come to reveal you, Father, to everyone. 
That is what he did. He revealed the Father to anybody who would listen. He says, I've given them the, your word. I've kept them. And he says, I've given them eternal life. Those two words, eternal life. Not trivial things like, I gave them a driver's license so they could put it in their back pocket. Now, we need, we need to get a, a fresh perspective a renewed perspective of what eternal life means. The longer we walk with the Lord, I think the, the more we start to take eternal life for granted. And it's, and it's hard not to. You know, my wife and I have been blessed over the years. And I want to say, I, my next thing in my notes says, it wasn't always like that. Now, I disagree with that. I don't want to say that we weren't blessed over the years. But there were struggles. We, we were in our first home. People come to our home and they're like, oh, very nice home. Hey, we finally got a dining table last, uh, last year. I actually built our first one. We had that for years. Didn't even have chairs that matched. Bugged my wife. She was crazy about that. But our first home that we bought, we had, to, we had to sell it within one year. That was hard. We went from a 1,700 square foot rent home to a 1,300 square foot owned home to a 750 square foot apartment. And then I went to go work for a college, so I moved into a 600 square foot place. And then right before I left that college, my boss made a really, what I thought was an unwise decision, and my wife and I got moved into a 400 square foot place. Now you're talking about just going, why, Lord, why? So don't, you know, don't look at us and think, oh, well, they don't know what it's like. No, until you get to know somebody... You don't know what they've gone through in their past. And I'm not saying, oh, pat us on the back. I'm just trying to give you a perspective. Each one of us could tell stories similar to this. The Lord had a purpose for all that. And over the years, the Lord has blessed us in many other things. Godly friendships that I could tell you that, that are going to last forever. We could pick up right where we left off. There's kids from the college that I just love so dearly. And ironically, they're all having kids right now. So it's, it's kind of funny. Now, as we've come out of that over the years, we've been blessed to go to uh, Hawaii multiple times. Some have wondered, man, they're always going, how do they afford that? Well, we do it very cheaply. It costs us very little to go. Sometime talk to me about it, I can explain it to you. But now we've gotten to the point where we sit on the beach and don't do a lot of expensive stuff. But last time we went, I started realizing something. As much as I totally enjoy and love the beauty that is there, I mean, it's amazing that God's creatures under the ocean, I mean, just, uh, not under the ocean, how about in the ocean? All those things. I'm, very, I'm so excited to still go, but it's not like the first or second time that I went. You understand what I'm saying? What's something you love to do? And you've always just done that year after year after year. And the first couple of times you're just like, oh man, this is just so awesome. And then over the years you're like, yeah, this is cool. You're just not as excited. We went to a new restaurant and we've never tried this one restaurant called Roy's. Oh man, the food, I mean, I'm not joking. Between bites, I'm just like, oh, this is good. I mean, verbally, I'm a verbal processor. I'm saying that out loud as I'm eating the meal. But if I ate that every week, would I be saying that? No. So we have to get back to the to a point where, where it's the same with our walk with the Lord. We get used to God being there, and I start to take it for granted in my life. 
It's hard for us to believe that, that there, we would take something so valuable like eternal life, so important for granted. I have eternal life, but you know what I'm really focused on? So-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. They just don't understand where I'm coming from. You all understand that because we all think the same way, don't we? Maybe I'm different, I don't know. I have eternal life, but I'm not really happy with where I'm living right now. I I can't believe I'm in this 400 square foot dump. Lord, what are you thinking? I have eternal life. But so-and-so has a better car. My car keeps breaking down. That's where we put our focus. Christians really acting like pagans, like the world. Christians acting like the world, taking for granted the important things. And I'm just as guilty of it as you are. We're all guilty of that sometimes. Focusing on things that are not so important. There's nothing more exciting than Jesus Christ, God himself, coming into our world. There's nothing more exciting than that. And he brought us eternal life. Now say eternal life. Okay, now say it like you mean it. Eternal life. Yeah, it's amazing. It's the most important phrase, the most wonderful phrase you have ever heard. He brought this gift to us. So this got me kind of thinking about gifts. And I know it's summer, but let's talk about Christmas for a second, okay? Since Lisa and I will be, you know, receiving some wonderful Christmas gifts this year, I figured, you you know, since... Your mind would be there. I thought I'd take you there. I mean, I mean, having a child around Christmas time, I mean, that is the most wonderful gift. I mean, unbelievable. Giving gifts at Christmas can be a really cool thing. We sometimes think of it as, oh, what am I going to get so-and-so this year? Okay, let me look at my list. Let me, okay, I, I got them covered. I got them. But it can be such a wonderful thing at the same time. So put, put aside all the obligation gifts that you, you, you know, the family members. It's like, okay, brother, I mean, I've been giving you gifts for 40 years, well, almost 40 years now. Can we just, like, enjoy each other's presents and not have to exchange gifts? Because I get you a $30 item, you get me a $30 item, so why don't we just give each other the money and be even, you know? Put those things aside. But think about the gifts you're excited about getting. Ask kids, not the adults. Adults, you know, oh man, the crowds, oh, I got to go to the mall. Ask kids about Christmas. They're so excited about it, aren't they? I mean, think about, I mean, I'm back from the catalog era, you know, we didn't get on the internet. Kids now get on the internet and say, mom, I want this. We used to get the, the Sears catalog and the JCPenney catalog, and my mom would go, okay, well, look through them and circle anything you might, you know, desire. And of course, there's like 1,500 circles in it, you know, just flipping all this and all this and... My mom stopped that after a few years. She just said, you want the whole thing, don't you? Yeah. We're excited about that. It's such a cool picture of, of the Magi giving gifts to Joseph and Mary in honor of Jesus. That is such a, just a, a cool thing. They probably funded their whole escape to Egypt and the whole time they were in Egypt, where, where the Lord said, pack up tonight, you need to leave. Those three, those three gifts funded that whole thing, most likely. I often wonder if they realized the greater gift was not what they gave, but what Jesus would give them. 
Jesus himself. See, one of the thing, really cool things about Christmas and, and gift giving is, is when you, know, you give something that the other person just really totally just, just wants and they need, most likely. Isn't it cool when you start to wrap up the gift and, and you're thinking, oh man, they're, they're just going to love this. And you're like overly excited about it yourself. And there's that five seconds when you give them the gift and they start opening it up that you're looking at their face and you're just like, you're, you're, you're waiting for it. You're waiting for that expression, that unbelief, just like, no, you didn't. They open their mouth and you're just like, yep, they wanted it. They needed it. They wanted it. Wow, this is a good gift. Now that right there, that is a God-like feeling. I'm not saying you're God. I'm just saying it's a God-like feeling. This is how our God, this is how God the Father feels when we receive his gift, his son. When we open up the present of his only son. When we listen to the words, For unto you a child is born. Unto you, a son is what? Given. For God so loved the world that he did something. What was it? He gave. That's right. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His one and only son. Not, well, I got two so I can spare one. No. His one and only. The only one he had. That whosoever believes on him shall not perish. But what? Eternal life. That's right. Now, when we are baby Christians, we think about this because we're scared of hell. You know? There, there's been many people who have come to God because they were absolutely, totally, 100% scared of hell. And, and that's not a bad reason. Don't get me wrong. It's a good short-term motivator. It's not a long-term motivator, but it's a good short-term. It won't keep you, but it'll get you there. What keeps us close to Jesus is the opposite of fear. The wonderful gift that he gave us. He gave us himself as a gift. And when he touches the the heart of the Father, or what touches the heart, heart of the Father is when we give gifts. We get to fill it. We get to feel that, that, that just like, oh, they, they really. So I want you to have that feeling. So let me tell you my birth date. Okay, just joking. But this is an anticipation of the, that God felt. You know, this is why he sent the angels to sing. He's giving us his one and only son. My one and only God is thinking. See, the world wants us to believe that it's God's desire to strike us with lightning. It's God's desire to say, you're, you're, you're bad. It's God's desire to spank us. It's God's desire to make us feel guilty about the things we've done in our lives. It's God's desire to, to make us feel shame about everything we've ever done. But the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, he writes that God has you know, showed the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. The kindness thing, 
that God, you know, this is the kindest thing that God has ever done for us. This is the greatest thing that he's ever done. We look at creation with wonder. We look at each other wondering, is is that person really made in the image of God? But the reality is, the most wonderful thing he ever did for us was give us himself. That was it. The gift. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 9.15. He says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's not often that I, I you know, ever so often I'll, I'll email Justin or, or text him and say, Hey, do you know this song? Can you sing this song? And he knows to put it at the end of the, the set because he knows that I'm really connected with that because of, the, of what the, you know, the Lord's wanting to say to us. This indescribable gift. Paul has been walking with Christ for years when he writes this. For years. Not just like, oh, he just became a Christian. Oh, this is just so wonderful. Let me write it down. And he stops in the middle of giving the Corinthians some instructions. And you want to find out some messed up people. Read the you know, book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. If you want to feel better about yourself, read those two books. Because you'll find out all the stuff that they've been doing wrong. Because Paul's sitting there going, okay, guys, you've got to straighten up. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Come on, man. I, I know you. I know your hearts. I know what you should be doing. Let me encourage you. But also let me tell you the truth of what you're doing. In the middle of all this, to these guys he loves, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, if you were told that you were going to receive one of the greatest gifts in your life, Would you leave that gift unopened? Absolutely not. Birthday comes and goes and there's just a gift sitting there. Wrapped. Christmas comes along, comes and goes. The tree's taken down, out. The gift's still there. Then why is it that year after year after year after year after decades, after centuries, after generations, people keep doing this? with this gift that that just blows my mind i can't understand it that the heavenly father has freely given to us i can't figure that one out now something else i want you to think about what happens when we we receive a gift that we love now if you're a child what do you do you use it for a while and then you get used to it And you put it away, or it just kind of sets in the corner. We don't use that gift. I want to encourage you not to put aside this gift. You know, I've been encouraged lately because I've had different conversations with different people. And, and, you know, with several of you, it's about how the Holy Spirit is starting to open up things for you. You know, you've been walking with the Lord for a while, and all of a sudden, it's it's like, you know, the blinders sometimes that we have. It's starting to open up. You know, they're not maybe completely off, but they're opening up. The scales are coming off the eyes. It's like the Lord is starting to, to, we're getting to a point where we're sitting there going, I didn't think about this before. And I am now. The ministry here at VCC is being used. It's being used for our prayers. And let me tell you, we, we pray, our staff meetings, we begin with prayer. We, every Sunday after church in this room, we gather for prayer. Every Bible study we do, we want to pray for you. Write down those needs. We want to bring those, uh, those prayer needs up. You know, uh, elder meetings, we get together, we pray. Through our Bible studies, 
through how we learn the word and how we debate back and forth and go, okay, this, I think God meant this and I think God meant that. And sometimes he means both of those things. Through our relationships. There are people who, that have walked with the Lord for a while who are starting to go, this is starting to make more sense to me now than it ever has. What do I do with it? See, a freedom comes when we understand that this is, you know, this gift is, is not a constricting gift, but one that truly frees us. Look at, look at the words he uses in verse 8. He says, For I gave them, this is the second section there, For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted or received them. They knew with certainty, and we're going to come back to that probably next week. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. They received it, and they believed it. These are two great words that really complement each other really well. The word received in the, in the original language is lambano. Now, you don't need to memorize the Greek or anything, but, but to remember the concept is really cool. It means to, to pick up or appropriate in order to use. I need to order this because I want it because I want to use it. It is a gift that you really wanted or really needed. See, to receive is like you really love to fish, but your fishing pole broke. And then somebody walks in and, and, and they buy you one and they give it to you. You're not going to, you know, you're putting together, play around the living room. And, okay, let me put it in the corner. No, you love to fish. You're going to take that and you're going to go out and you're going to use it actually. You love to play pool, but you don't own a pool table. You've been hinting and hinting and hinting. And when you finally get a pool table, what do you do? You use it. You love the Xbox for the younger crowd in here. All your friends have Xbox or maybe it's a PlayStation. But whatever it is, when you get one, you use it. And your parents go, come on, get off that thing. You got other things to do, like your laundry. That is the word received or accepted. To pick up in order to use. Not like, oh, this is really nice. <laughs> Thanks. Are the tags still on this? Can I? What store did you get it from? Now, the word believe... Is like the word receive, but it's also a faith word. Believe is to take hold of something, to grab it, to have confidence in something to the point of where you, when you got it, you start to relax. Believe is what you're doing in those chairs right now. You didn't walk in thinking, okay, let me test this chair out. Let me, let me sit. Oh, 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 okay, yeah, it'll hold me. No, you believe the chair was going to hold you. You're comfortable enough. Well, I mean, as much as you can be comfortable this long in these chairs, you're comfortable enough to, to believe that it's going to hold you up. So he's saying, if you receive it, if you pick it up, like you're going to use it, and I'm starting to rely on it without even thinking about it, that is becoming a Christian. That is what a Christian walk looks like. That's what it's all about. Look at verse 3. It says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now when I read this for the very first time, uh, I was very interested in the eternal life part. Wouldn't you be? Sitting there going, eternal life? 
What is that? There's something called eternal life. I would like to know about that. Because if it is eternal, then my 40, 50, 60, 90, or 100 years here that I have on this earth will be like a second when it comes to eternal life. It's hard for me to understand that. If there is such a, such a thing as eternal life, I would want to figure it out and spend time thinking about it. And once I got it figured out and decided upon, I would like to turn around and look at my life. And then when I do that, everything in my life starts to, to look a little differently. It's like, I, you know, you go to the eye doctor, you get your prescription redone. I did that this week and found out that I wasted about $150 because I didn't need mine redone. It's the same as it was six years ago. But see, when you get new glasses... Or you get contacts. If for the, everybody doesn't wear those, you're, you're just, you don't even understand. Because it's not blurry. Becoming Christians like getting new glasses. You're starting to see. Now this is the eternal life that, you may know, that they may know you. The, one, the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus helps us figure this out. He uses the word know here. Look at verse 7. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Verse 25. Righteous Father, through the, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. This word know is an important word. God repeats it again and again. The word know here in Greek is gnosko. It means to know. Not just in your head. It includes the knowing in your head. But it also means to, to know. I mean, you know. It's like the secret handshake. It's the X on the map, and you know what that X means. It is being on the in on things. Oh, I know that. And I wanted to bring in the whole gelling commercial, you know. For those, okay, I see a few smiles. You understand what I'm saying, but I just couldn't figure it out. Do you know my Lord? Well, I know about your Lord. No, no, no. That's not the same. Do you know my Lord? Do you know the Lord? Well, I grew up in church. No, that's not the same. Do you know the Lord? Well, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Catholic, I, you know, or non-denominational. That is not the same. To gnosko means to know. It means, you know, to get a little smile on that raise of the eyebrow, you know, kind of like, mm -hmm. It is an intimate word, a working word, an experiential word. The Hebrew loves this, this word so much, you go back into the Old Testament. It is used to describe a, a healthy marriage. Adam knew Eve. If you know what I mean. To know an intimate knowledge. Now Jesus uses this. He says, this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they may get intimate with you, Father. That they may trust you, Father. That they may know that you were a good dad. Romans chapter 8, he says, Abba, Father. Father. That's not like... You know, my, my grandparents, I had one, I had a formal set of grandparents and I had an informal set. You know, one of them was like, you didn't say grandpa. You didn't say, no, it was grandfather. No, th this is kind of the same term. It's not 
father. No, this is like daddy, father. This is an intimate, you know, title or if you want to call it that name. To understand what the, the true father should be and can be. I say the word father and many of you struggle with that. And we've talked about that before. You know, others just go, yeah, I get it. I had a good father. I understand that concept. But other people, not so much. Jesus says, I came to show you a father who is the greatest. But for some of us, you know, our hearts get in the way. This is why the the scriptures say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This is why we use the term, have you given your heart to God yet? Because it's more than just knowing. I can give my mind to a lot of things, but to know it is completely different. Paul says to the Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. This is a man who's been walking. I mean, just, I mean, talking about lifting people up on pedestals. Paul's one of those guys we look at and just go, unbelievable. The things that he does and and how the Lord used him. He was just a man like you and I. God used him. And he says after all that time, I want to know you, Lord. But he also says, I can't believe that you want to know me. You see, it's, it's a two-way street. I want to know God, and I can't believe that God wants to know me. Me. You. I cannot believe that at all. Why do you want to know me? And I think this is one of the main reasons why this present, going back to the present idea, stays unopened for so long. Because we can't get past the concept of, I'm a sinner. God, there's no way that God could want to know me with all this baggage. There's no way. But there is a way. See, we focus on the accountability. Most people don't want to focus on the accountability. Most people say, well, if I know God, and if he knows me, then I'm held accountable. Reality. Accountability is just a byproduct of our relationship with him that we get to a point where we want it in our lives because we really know him. One thing I've realized... If we were God, we would turn around and look at ourselves and go, I, I wouldn't want to know that person. That's why we're or, or, or ourselves. We would look at ourselves and say, I, I would never want to get to know them. We're so hard on ourselves or we're ashamed of ourselves because of what we've done. We have to turn that around and have to realize it's not about what you and I have done. There's nothing that you can do, nothing that I can do. No, how many, t- you know, how many dollars you, you, you give to the Lord? No, how, you know, how, how much time you serve? No matter how much time you take care of your family. There's nothing that you can do to get to God. Except one thing. To know, to know His Son. That's how you know God. We have to realize it's about what He did. Not what we've done. Angels aren't holding up the walls of the church when you walk in. It doesn't have to be that way. It isn't that way. This is a gift that God doesn't want put on the shelf or put in the closet or put in the shed or in the recycle bin. It will never wear out. This is not one of those gifts that break down. Mm -mm. But he wants us to learn how to use it well. It's a gift that duplicates itself into the lives of those around us. Because when our lives not straighten out, because if, you're coming, if you ever become a Christian to try to straighten out your life, it doesn't quite work that way. 
But when they start to understand that you have joy in your life because I don't care about this situation. God loves me. No, I need to deal with this situation. But it's not going to make me, you know, down all the time. It's a gift that duplicates to those around us. They, they see it and they want it. Now, is that a gift or what? It's an amazing gift. I know it's weird to talk about gift giving in, in, you know, when it's hot outside. We like to talk it around, you know, about it around Christmas time. But this gift is just so amazing. Don't allow it to set on the shelf. And that's what's so cool about talking with a few of you guys. You need to start talking with each other more too. Because you start to understand, wow, you know, I've had this on the shelf for a while. And I got it off. I dusted it off. And I started implementing it into my life. And I got a whole new perspective of what this gift means in my life at today's day and age. It's not a gift that wears out that we put up in the attic or we sell to garage sale. No, this is a gift that keeps on giving, for lack of a better term, that stays with us. It's an amazing thing. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so, so happy that you gave us your son. You gave us a part of who you are. It's something that we take for granted so often. I pray that you help us not take that for granted. That you help us use this gift to to affect your kingdom. To affect others in this life. That they may see that and go, "Why why do you believe? Or why do you act that way? Or why do you not act that way? Or why, why do you have so much joy in the middle of this messed up situation? Those are the times where we can turn around and say, well, let me tell you about the greatest gift I ever received. I love you so much, Lord, for giving me that gift. I pray that we don't look at our sinful lives and decide that I don't deserve this gift. Because ultimately, Lord, we don't. And the only, only reason why we receive it is because of what your son did. You allowed him to die on the cross for us. We thank you so much for that, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. Let this gift shine in your life. And his face will never, never turn from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.